Well, good morning and welcome everybody to our service today, uh, those who are here in person and those who will be watching online later, particularly if you're away on holiday and are going to be catching up later on this week, um, you are very welcome. Um, today is a special um, service because we have got, <laughs> they will be here in a minute, our mission partners, um, Terry and Hannah and Sammy and Misha, who are um, coming to share with us just uh, some of the updates of what they've been involved with as we've been journeying with them and partnering with them over these last few months, and particularly as they've been supporting uh, Ukrainian guests in, uh, in the Czech Republic. So um, Terry's going to be speaking later, and they're going to be uh, have a little update as well before the children go out. So that's uh, to come. Just a few notices. Um, that we have our first uh, bring and share lunch for about three years um, here today after the service. There's still, if you haven't brought anything, just take a risk. Uh, there will be time in between the service and the lunch to go home and get something if you want to as well. But come and join us. Uh, we'll be in the hall and we'll be starting lunch about 12.45. And Terry and Hannah are going to be just uh, there to, um, as well, just uh, take some questions and to share a little bit more over lunch too. Tonight, uh, there is no evening service here tonight uh, because we're going on tour. We're going to Worcester for the evening to join with the New Wine Regional Celebration at All Saints Worcester. Uh, you can either make your own way there or if you would like to share transport, then we're meeting um, at St Andrews at uh, 5 o'clock-ish um, to set off by about 5.15 if you want to share transport with others and, and go together. So that is, that is tonight. But no evening service here, but there is youth here uh, later. Um, the light party. There is a light party for our younger members uh, on tomorrow evening at 5.30 till 7. Um, do just come and turn up. If you can let Helen know you're coming, that's even better. Uh, there are some uh, little flyers on the way out. Do grab those and maybe invite a friend. And that is up at All Saints, not here. All Saints, 5.30 tomorrow evening. And next Sunday, uh, we have our annual Thanksgiving service, memorial service, remembering those who have, um, we have lost over recent years. Um, if you would like to come along to that, that's three o'clock in the afternoon here at St Andrews. There'll be cake and tea afterwards. If you've got someone that you would like to particularly remember, then do send um, their names to Liz in the office and we'll read those names out. There'll be a chance to light a candle and just to remember and give thanks for the lives of people who are no longer with us and to just continue to grieve together for them. So if that's helpful for you or helpful for others, then do invite others, come along with others and um, join us for that special service there. If you're new here um, today uh, and uh, want to connect up with us, then on our website there's that button and if you press that button you'll be able to connect up with us and, and uh, uh, get a register to have our weekly mailing where we have all our news sent to you um, or do chat to the welcome people on the welcome desk afterwards and we'd love to link you up. That's all the notices, I think. Today, as we have a particular World Mission Sunday, we remember that as we come to worship God today, we come with 
millions, billions around our world to come and worship the same God, the God who is the God of, of us, the God of all those in Ukraine, the God of all those in Africa, the God of all those in Asia, all those who are in Korea this morning as they come to terms with the, just the dreadful events of yesterday. That God is the same God, and we come to worship him, and we come to meet with him, and we come to encounter him together. So let's stand, shall we? And we're going to just say some opening words of a psalm as we come to worship today. Let's say it together. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations. His marvellous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. And Lord God, we come to worship you this morning, to come to lift our eyes to you once again, to come to say that you are our God, that you are a mighty God, that you are an all-powerful God, that you're a God who brings hope, a God who brings transformation, a God who brings light in the darkness. And we open our hearts to you this morning. And we say, will you come and meet us afresh as we worship you? Let's sing, and if the children want to come and grab a flag or an instrument, then uh, come and do that. So this song is all about our hope being in God. It's a really upbeat, full of praise. So loads of uh, opportunity to play instruments and wave the flags. So, yeah, if you're young or not so young, help yourself with instruments. Thank you. 
thank you that you bring joy. We thank you that you know us and that you love us and that you invite us to be part of your mission, bringing your hope, your light, your joy to our broken world. As we continue to worship you today, Lord, will you transform our hearts? Will you speak to us? Will you draw us to have a heart like yours? In Jesus' name. Amen. To take a seat, and I'm going to invite uh, Terry and Hannah to come up. I don't know whether Misha and Sammy are coming up, or are you staying where you are? <laughs> but Misha and Sammy, it's so lovely to have you too. Um, you've, uh, someone said you've grown since you were last year, and we thank you for giving up your half turn to allow us to catch up with you again. But I'm going to hand over to Terry and, and Hannah who are going to share an update for us while the children are still in of some of the things they've been up to do. Okay, so before we start, children, we have a quiz for you. Uh, so, children, uh, and children also can be anyone that's young at heart, anyone that thinks they're a child. Okay, here's the first question. What do the colours of the Ukrainian flag symbolize. Okay, there's a girl at the back. Sammy, I know that you think you know this, but there's a girl at the back. Perfect. Yes, well done. So it's the, the blue sky, because it, it is very sunny in Ukraine. And because it's very sunny in Ukraine, it's a great place to, to grow uh, or anything. Um, but this is wheat and sunflowers. So if you drive across Ukraine, it is a very, very agricultural agricultural country. So that's what it symbolizes. Okay, the next question. What is this Ukrainian soup called? Okay, yep. Yeah, borscht. Okay, and bonus points if you can say what's in it. Yep. Oh, there you go. Lots of people are saying beetroot. Yes, this is... Uh, what else other than beetroot? <laughs> Water, okay. <laughs> Sour cream, yes, that's correct. You can see it in the picture. Dill, dill definitely. Perfect, yes. You've got to have dill. Yes, some some put peppers there as well, red peppers. And Potato. Sometimes. Yes, yeah. sometimes. Do, do we have anybody from Ukraine here right now? Is there anything we've missed saying? Carrots. carrots. Yes, I've already had borscht with carrots in it too. Okay. And cabbage. And meat. 
We've forgotten about the meat part. So, but but every Ukrainian family have their own recipe. So, so we've had lots of different recipes of borscht. Okay, and the last country. This is maybe for the adults. Which countries share a border with Ukraine? Okay, Hungary, perfect. Kids there. Yep. Yeah, yep. Russia, yes. Very good. Georgia, no, that's a bit further away. Yes, one at the back. Poland, yes, well done. Sami, Slovakia, yep. Belarus, yes, well done. And two more. Romania, actually three more. Romania, yep. (laughs) And then the final two are are Hungary and Moldova. So so you can see there's a bit of a map there. So Russia, Belarus, Poland has a big border. Um, Slovakia, Hungary, Belarus, and Romania. Okay. So we're going to share a little bit about what's been happening uh, with our work with Ukrainians. But before that, we'll show a short video that gives a wider context of how we ended up being involved with working with Ukrainians, Ukrainian refugees. So um, the organization I work for, Josiah Venture, we equip churches to work with young people across Central and Eastern Europe. So we focus on disciple-making and evangelism. Um, And that includes about 100 churches in Ukraine that we've worked alongside. So, of course, when the war started, we had a lot of contacts in Ukraine, and the Ukrainian church did an amazing job of immediately helping Ukrainian people to escape the war zones and also take people, uh, food and resources into the war zones. Um, and oftentimes the Ukrainian church could get people to the west in Ukraine, and then it was organizations like ours that hired buses and brought people across the border to refugee centers in Poland or the Czech Republic or Slovakia, Romania, and places like that. And then we would put humanitarian aid back on the buses and send the buses back to Ukraine to unload the humanitarian aid and bring more refugees out. And so with our organization, what we tried to do was, uh, when they arrived with us, uh, and we hosted about 3,500 Ukrainians, we gave them two or three days of staying in our, uh, one of our centers where we found churches that would host those Ukrainians in the future and where they could find a community and a life in places much like yourself. So that's a lot of what we, we were doing internationally as an organization. And as a local church in the Czech Republic, we became a small part of that cog in helping Ukrainians. And Hanka will share what that looked like. So this, I've, I've never done this before, so this is my first ever, and it works. Um, so, um, actually, this is a photo taken uh, of, uh, well, our dining room, living room area, uh, with a few of our Ukrainian friends uh, a few hours uh, after uh, or maybe a day after they arrived in our house. Um, and uh, so actually the first group that we uh, had the privilege to host was um, a group of 10 people and a dog. The dog was a surprise. Uh, and uh, there were three different families who uh, were looking for a place to stay together. And uh, there are lots of people who are willing to put up one or two people. But, uh, you know, 10 is... is 
a crowd. Um, uh, so, so we got a phone call from a, a friend of Terry's uh, Sunday afternoon saying, hey, can you put 10 people up uh, tonight? And uh, we're like, well, uh, we have a huge basement area. Well, don't worry, it doesn't look like a black hole cellar type of thing. It's actually a really nice playroom for the kids. And so we thought, okay, we can put some of them uh, in in the basement, in the playroom, and then uh, a couple of them in uh, in our guest room. Uh, so we called our neighbors and friends, uh, asking them for pillows and blankets, um, and we said, okay, we're ready. Um, and um, when they arrived uh, in the middle of the night, um, just just to give you a, a little image, um, imagine you uh, wake up in the middle of the night to pack a plastic bag or two full of your bare necessities to just get on a coach going somewhere to the west. And you spend a day on that coach, uh, then you get off that coach um, to sleep somewhere in a crowded gym or church. Uh, to wait for another coach that will transport you out of the country. Um, And then once you appear in a completely foreign country, in the middle of the night, with your plastic bag full of your stuff, that's the only thing you have, um, a strange man gets on the bus (laughs) and he says, you, you are coming with me. Um, They were scared. uh, And it was very scary. And... uh, uh, the first couple of days were very difficult for them, uh, just adjusting to a new country, to our house. Um, um, but there were a tiny drop of, of thousands that experienced the same thing. Um, so just in our city, in, in Ostrava, what we as a family and our church did is we would always try to host... Um, a few of the Ukrainian families um, in our homes until we found them uh, a place to stay and and become independent. So we would help them uh, get the visas, get health insurance, find a job, furnish the flat, um, find money for a few first months for the rent uh, to really help them find that sense of, okay, we're now in a new place, and we can live our independent lives. Um, and meanwhile, while we were trying to do that, this is what, what our house um, looks like with, with everyone in it. So um, this is the first 10. Uh, and after two weeks of having those 10, we finally found a big enough place for them to all move in together and uh, a new five uh, came. Uh, What was interesting is the first group, there were two teachers there. And uh, in in this group, um, we had another teacher, the the lady, the blonde lady at the front, um, Violeta, uh, is a teacher, and her mom at the back was um, a... um, In Ukraine, she was in the... um, educational administration and uh, actually Irina at the back you'll hear from her at uh, later on uh, but um, these two have become especially dear to, to our family or to me uh, Irina is, is now kind of my second uh, mom my Ukrainian mom uh, we keep in touch a lot she has a lot of wisdom to share and um, 
with the three teachers that have gone through our house within a couple weeks, um, we felt like, okay, this might be um, a sign that we could do something more for other ch- Ukrainian children in Ostrava, in our city, because the government issued um, a new legislation saying, okay, all the Ukrainian children must be integrated into the Czech schools. But the Czech system isn't used to having any foreigners, okay? There's no help. Imagine uh, coming into a class of 30 kids with one teacher not speaking the language. There's no assistant and no help in place. Um, So um, we've heard stories of how the Ukrainian children coming out of a war zone, being shell-shocked, were crammed into a Czech school having no idea what was happening and, and getting just even more and more depressed. Um, and so we thought, okay, uh, what can we do to help just a few of them? Um, and we um, approached a local school that we already had connection with, and we said, hey, how about you rent us a space and we'll try and run a Ukrainian school there? Um, just for the time being, so that uh, mothers can go to work and the children can be with us. Um, we will do the Ukrainian curriculum and uh, everyone will be happy. And uh, the head teacher, actually, he's an amazing man. He's about this tall. Um, uh, he said, well, you know, I-, I would probably have a problem with the legislation. What I can do, though, is I can make the kids an official part of the school, uh, so official students, and unofficially you would work with them alongside us. I was like, okay, well, let's let's try that. Uh, well, we first didn't know what we were getting ourselves into, um, but God always has a plan that's way greater than, than us or than we can imagine. So um, what I've learned in the last six months is... Um, if I decide to give, even if it costs me an arm and a leg, <laughs> he will always provide more abundantly, and he will actually involve way more people in it. Um, and that's actually when you guys come into the picture. Um, so when you look at this picture, this is uh, from our Sunday service, um, and the people standing uh, there are being prayed for, uh, being sent to be the teachers of, of the new Ukrainian school. Um, so in the end, uh, thanks to you uh, and all the finances and prayers and support that you sent our way, we were able to uh, employ five Ukrainian teachers to work with Ukrainian teenage, well, children from 6 to 14, 15, um, and make their life a little more comfortable, a little happier. So the deal with the head teacher uh, was, okay, um, the children will officially come to the Czech school and for music and art and PE, where they don't really need to speak the language, they'll be with their Czech peers For the rest of the day, they'll be with their Ukrainian teachers who will, A, continue with the Ukrainian curriculum so that the kids don't fall behind. Uh, But at the same time, for those who will stay 
long term, we knew we had to teach them Czech so that from September they could actually be uh, involved fully in the Czech school. Uh, and so uh, we had a few Czech university students who would come and teach uh, the children Czech, and at the same time uh, the Ukrainian teachers who would um, just take care of them and, and continue with the Ukrainian curriculum. Uh, here you can see a few photos of the kids. Uh, this is Easter, so we prepared a special program for them on Easter. They were baking and decorating some gingerbreads and then looking for eggs in the school garden. Uh, yes, this is one of the pictures from that. Um, and uh, at first we started off, the first week, we started off with um, 15 kids but the word spreads really fast. And so within a week, we had over 30. Um, we knew that at the end of June, the um, deal with the school will end, and that from the 1st of September, uh, the children would be fully integrated into the Czech system, studying everything in Czech. What's wonderful is kids learn a new language very quickly. They pick it up way faster than us adults. So um, right now the school uh, has 43 uh, Ukrainian students. Uh, most of them are just able to go through the Czech system, through the curriculum and lessons in Czech. Uh, on top of them, on top of that, two of our teachers actually were allowed to stay there and assist those kids who need it. Um, and the school even finally found the money to actually fund those two teachers uh, from their own Czech funds. Um, so without you, the school would not have happened. We took the leap of faith in saying, okay, we'll do it. We had no idea how to work within the Czech legal system and we had zero finances but you came in and you provided. So we would really like to thank you so much for that. Um, and you will never understand how much you actually blessed the children, the teachers, but also us, you know, seeing God provide uh, and the kindness uh, that we've received. Uh, we didn't just finish working with them in June, we continued throughout the summer. So we actually ran uh, three different camps. Uh, this is a picture from a fusion camp that we did for Czech teenagers, but we invited a group of Ukrainian children that we already knew to come and join us. This is them in the picture. Uh, and then we ran two, yes, and this is, we had a Ukrainian night at our, at our fusion camp. Uh, and then these are photos from day camps that we ran just for Ukrainian children. Again, studying more Czech, having some fun in the area. Um, yes, <laughs> doing lots of um, sightseeing uh, and games. I would like to actually finish now with, with this final picture. So this was taken uh, the last day of school year. Uh, and you can see me uh, with all the other uh, teachers just celebrating the year and saying good job for persevering and having the hope and faith. And I have to say, looking back, 
I don't know how we did it, um, uh, but uh, I can still see how God was blessing uh, and how he was revealing a little glimpse of, again, what uh, heaven will be like, but also what he is like, not just in uh, what you guys have provided us with, but also with neighbors um, who don't belong to our Christian community. We're friends with them, but um, when they heard we had Ukrainians over, they would always ask, can we do something? Can we do grocery shopping? Can we help you? Um, and also in, in these ladies here, because uh, the amount of faithfulness and perseverance that they've shown me in my own life has been um, actually really heart-changing for me. So thank you again. And because our uh, Ukrainian mom couldn't come with us, uh, she has a short video for you. And there's no sound. Хотя я сама родом из Украины, из города Харькова, но через войну в Украине я вынуждена была с дочерью оставить Украину и приехать в Чехию. Здесь, в Чехии, у нас не было друзей, не было знакомых, не было жилья и одежды. Но хвала и благодарение Богу, что церковь – это не каменные здания, а верующие люди, которые любят Бога и любят ближнего своего. Нас приняла поместная церковь в городе Острава, которая явила нам Божью любовь, заботу и помощь. С первых дней нашего пребывания здесь, в городе Острава, была организована, материально обеспечена и открыта школа для украинских детей в количестве 30 человек. Находясь здесь, в другой стране, не зная чешского языка, Имея внутри себя глубокие переживания из-за войны в Украине, этот проект для нас и детей был лучшей возможностью научиться быстрее и качественнее адаптироваться и коммуницировать с окружающими людьми. В школе мы имели возможность разговаривать на родном языке и параллельно глубоко изучать чешский язык, что было очень важно для нас. На данный момент времени мы видим на себе и детях, что реализация этого проекта имеет позитивный результат в нашей жизни, в адаптации и в коммуникации здесь. Сейчас мы продолжаем жить и работать в Астраве, оставаясь частью поместной церкви Тройки. Мы разделяем их видение и цели. Хотим и дальше помогать верующим и неверующим украинцам, организовывать совместные встречи, чтобы поближе узнать друг друга, чтобы понимать, как помочь в решении проблем. От имени всех украинцев мы благодарны Богу за вас. Мы благодарны за вашу любовь, за ваш труд, за вашу заботу. И я хотела бы закончить посланием к евреям, 6 глава, 10 стих. «Ибо не неправеден Бог, чтобы забыл дело ваше и любовь, которую вы оказали во имя Его, послужив и служа святым». Thank you very much. Thank you so much. It's just so encouraging to see that, isn't it? And we wanted to um, just share that. Well, the children were in particularly because many of our children did a sponsored walk, didn't you, uh, on the on the hills? And that is your work too. 
You are big partners in that. So thank you, children, for what you've done. You've made a massive impact for children many miles away who you'll never meet. Um, and we just give thanks to you. So we're going to pray for our children as they, uh, and, and the youth, uh, the pathfinders as they go out to their groups, and perhaps uh, you can talk about some of that in your groups too. So, Lord, we thank you that you enable us to be partners in your gospel uh, with people far from us who will never meet, but together we can bring your kingdom in and we can bring your love and care for others. And I thank you for our children who um, have played their part in that. And we bless them now as they go to their groups. Lord, would you speak to them? Would you encourage them? Would you reveal more of yourself to them, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Children and pathfinders, we'll see you later. Go and have some fun. And we're going to just uh, here to um, have some more sung worship. And I think, you know, we, we now just praise our God. Who a God who provides even when we uh, don't know where we're going, we don't know what we're doing, we, we hear God's call to step out and God provides and gives us the chance to be people of hope. So let's stand and let's praise God together.
you so much for the way that we see you working in all of those pictures that Hanka brought to us we just thank you Lord and we pray that we would know what our part is in this world in Jesus name we pray morning's reading is the parable of the Good Samaritan. It's from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10, verses 25 to 37, and can be found on page 1041 of the Church Bibles. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbour as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbour? In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road and when he saw the man, 
he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he travelled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbour to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. This is the word of the Lord. Okay. All right. Just while the band come down. Well, should I go back? Oh, there you go. Wonderful. Sorry, I, I like to move around when I talk. So, um, well, it is so good to be here again. Um, I don't know how many of you were here three years ago when we were here last. So, a few of you. And, and I have to say, we felt so welcomed by you three years ago. Um, and it's interesting to see how God um, does things in his timing. Um, when, when we first started a relationship with you, we had no idea you also had also already a relationship with Ukraine. And for a lot of you, you'd already served in Ukraine. So it's just amazing to see how um, God orchestrated our beginning of relationship with you and then through that, enabling you to continue your relationship with Ukraine. And I thank you so much. Uh, for what you have done. So um, just to let you know what will be happening this morning, I'll, we'll talk a little bit about um, the Good Samaritan. It's a really well-known um, passage, so I'm not sure I'm going to have too much more to share with you. But then I want to share a couple of... Um, I want you to know what's happening in Ukraine and what the church in Ukraine is doing and how they are being a Good Samaritan to their people around them and the impact that is actually happening on the people of Ukraine and the gospel in Ukraine. So... So, um, the story is well known. It's one of the times when uh, someone was trying to catch Jesus out, and we know it was a, an expert on the law. So, actually, his questions were a little bit... Um, he wasn't wanting to be taught something by Jesus. He was trying to catch Jesus out. Um, and so, when he was asked, well, what does the, the Old Testament say? What, what does the, the Word say? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart with your soul, with your mind, and with all your strength. I don't know how often you guys think about those four words. I, I ponder on those four words quite often. I wonder how much do I really love the Lord with all my heart? Maybe, you know, some, some days I'm feeling a bit tired, so I'll give you 70%. I don't know about you guys. Um, your soul, your mind, your thoughts. Sometimes my thoughts run somewhere else um, to places they shouldn't really shouldn't be going. And with all our strength... Um, that is the old commandment. Jesus twice said there are two main commandments, love 
God. And the other one is love your neighbor. Um, And he said, do this, not know this. It's easy to know what we should do. But Jesus was actually saying, do what you know you should do. This is what's important. This is how you gain eternal life, to do. It's not enough just to know. Um, And the expert on the law, he, he did want to test Jesus, so he asked, well, come on, who's my neighbor? Now, he knew what the answer is. He was an expert on the law. And in the book of Leviticus... Um, it actually talks about who is your neighbor. So um, the expert of the law was quoting from Leviticus. um, And it says, Do not seek revenge or hear a grudge against one of your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. So this is the word in red there. That's the Hebrew. Um, And it translates as friend, companion, or close associate. It doesn't mean enemy. Doesn't mean stranger. It means friend, companion, or close associates. So that could actually—that's easier. That's easier to do now, isn't it? Okay, I can love my neighbour. <laughs> I like my neighbours. Well, maybe you don't, but I like my friends. I chose them because I like them, so I can love them. That's easier to do. However, later in Leviticus, it actually there's another little passage that actually talks about who is your neighbour, and your neighbour living with you must be treated as one of your native-born. So your neighbor is not necessarily your neighbor and your friends. It's also strangers in your country, people that aren't from your nationality. And love him as, you, love him as yourself, for you are aliens in Egypt, and I am the Lord your God. So now there's a really clear commandment. We are to love anyone around us. We can't pick and choose. I'm English, I'll love the English people. Um, the commandment is to love everyone that God puts in our path. And that can be a little bit trickier sometimes, can't it? People who God... If, I, if I'm put in somebody's path, that's a harder one. I'm, it's sometimes a bit hard to love. Um, so I'm thankful that this is here. It means that people are supposed to love me. <laughs> um, and so for the teacher of the law, that really ought to have been all he needs. But then again, he's like, well, again, who's my neighbor? Who's my neighbor? And so we we have the story of the Good Samaritan. And I'm not going to repeat the story of the Good Samaritan. But we know that first, um, you have the priest and the Levite that walk past the person that needs help. Um, Do we know what a Levite is? It's something like a a person who serves in in the tabernacle. Could be a worship leader, um, the warden, um, someone on the PCC from your scenario. So essentially what we've got is Dave and Barry walking by um, <laughs> and saying, not my problem, mate. <laughs> uh, and when I first, you know, as a, as a child, when I first heard this story, you know, we were asked, well, why do we think the priest walked by? Okay, so I'm actually going to ask you the same question. We'll get the clipboard out here. And I'm going to ask you, there you go, interactive sermons. I don't know if they're more interactive or not, but I like to get people involved. So let's, let's think about this. Why did the priest walk by? What, what's some of the answers? Oh, okay. Unclean, okay. So actually, the priest knew if I touch blood, I become unclean. I, oh, no, I'm, I'm the priest. I need to stay clean. That's my religious duty to keep my hands clean. So that, that is maybe one good. He was doing what he, should, what he felt he should do, following his religious rules of the day. Somebody else said something. Yes. Uh, yes, we don't know if the person that was robbed was a Samaritan or not. Probably it was a, 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 a Hebrew person. But, but maybe um, the wrong person, okay? The wrong type of person. Okay. 
Is that big enough? Can you see that or not? Um, what are some, reasons, are some other reasons that the priest maybe and the Levite chose not to help? Too busy. Ah, there you go. Okay. Okay, now I'm going to change this a little bit. We all in our lives have come across people that we could help and we choose not to. Uh, we're not, I mean, in Malvin, I'm not sure you find people who have been beaten and are lying on the streets. Um, but we all come across people that need our help and we make a decision not to help them. And so what are some of the reasons that, that we choose not to help people? It's inconvenience. Yes, it's inconvenient. Okay, and thank you for saying that word because I can't spell it. <laughs> inconvenient. My wife, Hanka, is an English teacher, so she's going to tell me later that it was wrong, but they, they know. Okay, it's inconvenient. Sometimes, you know, I've got other things to do. Um, it, I don't want to get my hands dirty. I don't even necessarily like that person, so I, I, I'll just close my eyes. I'm talking about myself now, not you. You're all lovely people, I'm sure. Um, what are some other reasons we don't help Sorry? Oh, we don't know where it's going to take us. <laughs> yep. Yes. Oh, and we certainly had no idea what was about to happen in our lives when 10 people turned up. <laughs> that's, that was just for sure. Um, too dangerous. Yep. Oh, and, and that's the obvious answer with this scenario because the robbers could still be there and they could have. Too dangerous. Okay. Maybe two more reasons. Yep. It's somebody else's job to do it. Yep, somebody else. Somebody else should do it. Okay, and there was one more hand up back there. Yep. Sorry? Okay, I don't know how. And that is a, actually, that happens a lot. I don't know how. I, I would like to help. I would like to help, but I don't know how. And some of these are, you know, let's be honest, some of them are relatively good excuses. Um, I used to be a lifeguard, and, and we were told, you cannot help somebody if it's too dangerous, because then there'll be two of you that need help. And so some of these reasons why we don't sometimes help can be good, legitimate reasons. Uh, but sometimes, they're not the best reasons, if, if we're perfectly, perfectly honest. So... Honestly, sometimes when I, when I read the story of the Good Samaritan, I'm like, oh, bad priest, bad Levite. Without realizing, ah, oh, actually, oftentimes in my life, I am the priest and the Levite. And I, I don't always do what I could or should do. So that is something that, um, yeah, we could all be thinking about. Which of these maybe show up more often in our lives why we don't help. Now, there was a study done in 1970, I'm reaching back into ancient history now, um, in Princeton, and they wanted to know um, if, well, if um, knowing that you should help makes a difference. And so they did a study with 40 seminarians, so people studying to be vicars, and they took 20 of them, and they asked them to prepare a 15-minute talk on the Good Samaritan, and the other 20, they asked to prepare a talk about how good the school is to some prospective students. And they wondered, um, if we put someone who needs help in front of these 40 people, would the 20 who are preparing the talk on the Good Samaritan, would they be more likely to respond the way we would expect? 
So what, what do you think? Were they more? And then they sensed them one by one every 15 minutes, and they said, um, "Okay, go go out from here, go across the street through the third door, and that's where you'll find the talk you're supposed to give." So they were sent on their own individually. So what do you think? Was there was there a difference in who responded? The people who had been preparing a talk on the Good Samaritan who ought to have it in their minds, I should help. Well, it's a trick question, so the way I'm asking is loaded, isn't it? Uh, you would think so. When I read the study, I was like, of course they're going to be more likely to help. They've been reading that they should help. But they didn't. But there was one other factor that actually had a big impact on whether or not someone was likely to help or not. Because they split those 40 people up in one other way. They told a third of them, you're running late. You better hurry up. You just, you know, out the door, turn right, go there. You're late already. Just quick, off you go. They told a third of them, hey, you're on time. Just go out there, off you go. Uh, and, do, and go left, turn right, turn left. You'll be, you'll be there on time and you're good to go. And then the final third, they said, you've got all the time in the world. If you leave right now, you're going to be early. Just, you've got plenty of time. And that is what made the difference in who helped or not. So actually, uh, the way it ended up is that the people that were told that they had plenty of time, 63% of them, stopped and helped someone that needed help. It was a person lying on the ground, on their path, obviously in pain. The people that were told they were on time, 45% helped. And the people that were running late, only 10% of them helped. And these were people that were going to give a talk about the Good Samaritan. <laughs> and that, that's a really interesting uh, way to look at things. Um, how many of us actually have the capacity to help when God asks us to help? How many of us have such hurried lives um, or just looking at, I, I, I need to do my thing, that actually, even if, if we have to step over somebody to do our thing, we do that because our lives are what they are. We don't have the capacity. We're not walking at a pace that gives God the chance to say to us, I have a special plan for you today, this month, this year. And when I read that study, that was really convicting to me because I realized in my life, I oftentimes don't even have the space. God could put someone right in front of me that I need to help. And my excuse is actually, usually, I'm too busy. I, actually, I sometimes say I don't know how it's easier. It sounds better to say I don't know how. But oftentimes, the actual reason is I'm too busy. I've got other things on my mind. And so that's one of the key things I've gotten out of reading The Good Samaritan over and over again this year, is um, the way I live my life do I live it in a way that I allow God, when he has a different plan for me, to actually leave, show me what he should do? And if he shows me what I should do, do I have the, the space to actually respond to that in obedience? And then connected with that, the original commandment is love God first. That's a relationship. And so the other thing I've been pondering on recently, especially as we've been helping a lot of Ukrainians, is if my relationship with God is not all it can and should be, then probably some of these excuses will come up more often in my life. So oftentimes, um, we do things out on our own strength. And that's not what God is asking us to do. He's saying, I can help you here. 
I have the capacity to help you. And actually, the story with the, the Samaritan, if you look at the Samaritan, um, he did take pity. So he was in a place where he could see a need and actually respond to that from his heart. Love God with all your heart. Emotionally, he was probably in a better place than the priests and the Levites were. And then the way he helped was he used what he had. He bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine. So the Samaritan obviously had some resources. God had put a need in front of him that he could fulfill. He had, apparently, bandages on him. (laughs) Apparently, he had oil and wine. And he also had a donkey. Because he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn. Now, what God did not ask the Samaritan to do was spend the rest of his life caring for this person. Which is, actually, one of you said, where is it going to take us? (laughs) And sometimes when we respond to God's needs that he puts in front of us, it might just be a two-minute response. In the case of the Samaritan, um, it was taking him to an inn and then going on on his journey and paying for the man to be cared for, but continuing with his life. It's really interesting. It's as he was going. With the the Great Commission, it says uh, in English, we say, go and make disciples. Actually, in, in in the original language, it says, as you are going, make disciples. And oftentimes when God asks us to do something, it's as we are living our own lives. It's very few people that he says, I would like you to do something dramatic to change your life. Um, I I got that call to move to the Czech Republic uh, 25 years ago Um, and actually I'm really thankful that I said yes to that call but for most of us, even in my life in the Czech Republic the command to to follow him and obey him is as you are living your life walk in obedience and I will give you the resources to do that as you walk alongside me as you love me with all your heart, mind and soul and strength I will enable you to be used by me in your culture and your society. So, go and do likewise. Now, what you could say is, okay, well, Terry, go and do likewise. The next time I'm walking from Jerusalem to Jericho and see somebody on the street, I'll help them. <laughs> uh, or, no, that's being facetious. Okay, the next time I see someone on the streets of Malvern, I'll go and help them. But as I said, Malvern seems like a really nice community. I really understand why you love, why you live here. Um, but there's different ways that people can be robbed. This man was robbed of everything. He's robbed of his possessions. But there's other ways that people around us are robbed. What are some ways that people can be robbed around us? Not necessarily of, you know, someone doesn't rob your car or your house. But what else are people robbed of in our culture and life today? Sorry? Scams, yep. So there's different scams that will try and take your money. Yep, on the internet. Sorry? Yeah, people are robbed of of friends, friendship, companionship, and they're lonely. What what else are people robbed of today? Security. Security. A lot of people live in fear these days. They live in fear. What else do we feel robbed of? Robbed of our innocence, yes. Uh Uh-huh. Ukrainians would say they're being robbed of their country right now, or their homes. <laughs> uh, what are some other things that we're robbed of? Relationships. Relationships. 
And sometimes, uh, you know, Satan is the father of lies, and he creates lies in our lives that rob us of those relationships and friendships. And I would say in our cultures today, we're oftentimes, and someone alluded to that, we're robbed of hope. All around us, we see people who are robbed of hope because they've not heard that they are loved. They've not heard that they can have a relationship with the Heavenly Father that loves them, or they've not experienced it. And so that's one of maybe interpretation we can see today. What Jesus wasn't saying to the people necessarily is go and help people lying on the streets. But loving your neighbor, loving people who have been robbed, looks very different for each and every one of us. And I'm sure if we just sit now for a couple of minutes and think, who do I know around me that has been robbed of something? God would be able to put to mind ways in which we can be messengers of hope. And at the end, maybe I'll give you some time to do that. But before I end, I would like to share with you um, some stories of some great good Samaritans in Ukraine. And um, you saw this photo already. This man in, in, the, uh, in the van at the back, his name is Sergei. He's a, a pastor of a church in Kharkiv. And his wife was one of the first refugees that ended up in our living room. Um, she was the shepherd of those ten people. <laughs> uh, but he stayed behind um, to be serving his community. Um, and from, from the day the war started, Sergei has been going into the war zone to bring people out and to take um, humanitarian resources in. And he's just one of many, many, many people from the Ukrainian churches that have served Ukraine at this time and been messengers of hope at this time. We know that organizations like uh, the Red Cross and the UN have been taking uh, humanitarian aid in. What you don't know maybe is that they don't go where it's dangerous. But who does go where it's dangerous? It's the church. It has been uh, the church that has been going where the bombs are landing to pull people out and to take people food and resources to help them. And Sergei is just one of those people. And he's doing that Monday to Friday, but what's he doing on Sunday? He's preaching the gospel. His understanding of the Good Samaritan isn't that I've now become a full-time humanitarian worker. I am a pastor. I have a flock to shepherd still. So during the week, I'll be saving people literally. But on Sunday, I'm still standing in my pulpit and sharing the word. And actually, last month, they restarted their youth ministry with teenagers that are still living in Kharkiv. And that's something that's really amazing to me, that um, the church in Ukraine has not forgotten why it exists. It's being the hands and feet of Jesus, but it's also still sharing the good news in a very practical, but also preaching the word as well. So that's Sergei. He came over to visit. He brought some Ukrainians to go to one of our camps, and we sent him back with a, a van full of food that he could then distribute to places where people had no food. This is Ihor. So Ihor and I have known each other for a long, long time. He's a pastor of a church in Lviv. Lviv is in western Ukraine. It's a relatively safe place. It is a safe place. An overnight, their church building, it's about the same size as your church, became a refugee center. Overnight, their church was, was like would have 150 people sleeping on their floor um, as soon as the war started. And that was part of the, the pathway to get people to the West. Um, not only was his church full of refugees, but his home was full of refugees. He would go to the train station at 2 or 3 in the morning, 
to find old people or small children who are waiting for trains or just arrived on trains and say, come to my home, my wife will give you borscht and you'll have a safe place to live. Um, any which way he could help, he's been doing that. And this photo is, he, he sent me an email one day saying, uh, the Russians are now bombing petrol stations near the war zone. So whenever anyone goes nearer to the war zone with supplies, we have to take extra petrol cans because we can't get petrol anymore near the war zone. But there's no way that we can buy petrol cans in Ukraine anymore. They're all gone. And so we were able, as a popular question, how many petrol cans can you get into a Skoda Octavia? <laughs> anyone want to know? The answer is 50. <laughs> so that's just one small way in which uh, Ihor is, is serving. And his whole church... And not only him, but members of his church regularly drive to the front lines with resources, supplies to take humanitarian aid in, a lot of medical supplies, and bring people out. Um, oh, there were some more photos there, but that is that, okay. That's a hint that maybe I should stop. <laughs> did, did the other photos get there? Okay, there were a couple of other photos I wanted to show you of, um, I was in Ukraine in, in March, and uh, a, a team of youth workers, um, and there are also people that have normal jobs, and they're still doing youth ministry, still sharing the gospel with young people that need hope right now, um, as well as caring for their own families and their own children. It is amazing what the church is doing, not only in Ukraine, but across Poland, Moldova, Romania, um, Slovakia, and Czech Republic. Um, a friend of mine from Poland, he's a pastor, said, finally the church is becoming what we always hoped it would be. It's just a shame it took the war to make that happen. So I want you to know that, yes, there is immense pain and suffering happening right now. But there's a renewal happening right now as well. Churches in Ukraine have never been as full as they are now. And the reason why is all of these good Samaritans are loving God and loving their neighbor and people that would never have gone to church are seeing that. And they're saying, how is it that you're able to do this for, the, for us, for the people that you don't know? So be proud and blessed to be a part of what is happening in Ukraine in a good way. <laughs> um, the church there is doing an amazing work. And it's being done by people like you who can pray for the pastors in Ukraine. Um, and support them and what they're doing. Um, I know that some of you have also given to our organization and the money that you give, we turn into humanitarian aid and we send on into Ukraine. So, so thank you for being a part of what you're doing. And I did want you to know there's a lot of hope happening in Ukraine right now as well. A lot of pain, but a lot of hope because the church in Ukraine is being a messenger of hope. Where we do what we're commanded to do, it's unimaginable how God blesses that in ways that we'll never understand. And that's where I'd like us to end. Uh, messengers of hope. There are people around you that have been robbed of something. Um, it could be security. It could be, it could be finances. Uh, but definitely of hope. Uh, and are there people around you where God is not asking you to change your whole life to respond to their need? But it is asking you to see their need, put them on a donkey, help them get themselves back together again as you are going on your life. So I'll just give you a couple of minutes just to pray about that. Lord, how can we be good Samaritans to the people around us? Is there something more that you want for us to do? 
And as we do that, we understand that we can do that through your strength. It's not our strength. You're not asking us to destroy our lives to help the people around us. You're asking us to join you in the work that you're doing with the people around you. And I pray that you'd help us to keep our eyes open for how we can do that here in Malvern um, and wherever else we see a need globally. And you know I pray. Amen. What a challenge. I'm sure that God has spoken to us right where we are just now. And so I'd like us perhaps to just bow our heads and come to him in prayer just for a few moments. We've heard a great deal. He's shown us, and I'm just so impacted by what Terry has said and the way that he's communicated with us. Lord, you do things in a way that we just do not understand. But you have your purposes and you bring your results. You do what you want to do. And we thank you for what we've heard tonight, today. We thank you, Lord, that you have been there with Terry and Hannah in the Czech Republic. You've been with them, guiding them, helping them to see where you want them to be good Samaritans. You've opened doors. You've opened uh, committees. You, you've, uh, you've brought about things that they perhaps never would have thought. And you've given them strength and power that they never thought that they would have. Because, Lord, you wanted your will done in this situation. And, Father God, we just thank you this morning for all those stories we've heard, those real-life situations we've heard. And we pray, Lord, that you will carry on working in the hearts and lives of the church in the Czech Republic and in Ukraine. Lord, thank you for that on-the-ground reporting today of what the situation is like in the church, that there's a revival in the church in Ukraine, that people are going out and being good Samaritans to those who are in such terrible need. And Lord, it breaks our hearts when we see the pictures of the devastation and the lostness and the isolation and the crumbling of those areas in Ukraine. And Lord, we go on praying. You told us always to pray and never to give up. May we never give up praying, thinking it doesn't make any difference. Lord, we pray for that situation once again and ask, O oh Lord, that you would have your way in it. I don't understand how war can bring your way. But a little quote in the information I read um, about um, the uh, situation there was that war had brought these people to... Hannah and um, the situation at the church and at the school, but you created deep bonds. And Lord, we thank you for the bonds of fellowship and friendship and working together and striving in difficult situations in those contexts. And Father, I pray for, uh, for a strengthening of our understanding of what you can do in situations like that. When we think of our own country, 
Not devastated in the same way, but devastated in lots and lots of areas. And we do pray for our own government and and, um, Rishi Sunak and the cabinet and as they gather together all the things that have to be done in our society at the moment, which is causing all sorts of sadness and difficulty and heartache. But the other thing, Lord, I wanted to pray this morning, I felt you wanted us to pray for young people. That's been emphasized over again and again. Young people in Ukraine and in the Czech Republic and throughout the world, Lord, who need hope. They need your hope. And we thank you for what people are doing, as we've already heard, for young people. But the ongoing work needs to be built up. And I quote this again, especially what we need to think about are the alarming numbers of teens suffering consequences of separation, of loneliness, of depression, of alienation and anxiety. Lord, we pray that you would bring those who can minister in the situation. And even in our own country, Father God, we pray for our own young people that we will get alongside them and help them build a future and a hope together. And and perhaps we should just pray at this particular time about this tragedy in South Korea over a Halloween event. And Lord, it just so speaks that that this is darkness and it's destructive and it has destroyed lives just last night. Many, many people died and many people were injured and we pray for that nation that they would see your light and turn away from this sort of darkness. And even in our own country, we pray for the light party tomorrow night that it may declare your light your light in the world, your hope in the world. And we pray it in Jesus' name and for his glory and for the betterment of the lives of those we care about. Amen. Amen. We're just going to spend a moment now. We want you to pray for Terry and Hannah and the work that they're doing. And so I'm going to ask them to come forward, and Dave's going to join us, and then we'll join together with the Lord's Prayer, which unites us all. Every nation, every Christian knows the Lord's Prayer, and that will move us towards a conclusion then. I pray for you guys. We're, we're so aware of how much that you have given out over these last months and we just want to pray for you now that the Holy Spirit would fill you afresh that actually the Holy Spirit would empower you to keep giving what he's calling you to give, that he would continue to provide all the resources that you need that you would um, love the Lord your God more deeply each day and from that love from the love that he gives you, have that love to love others. And we bless you, we bless your marriage, we bless your family, we bless uh, Misha and Sammy, we bless your church, we bless your ministries, your school, Hannah, your uh, Josiah Ventures, we, we bless all that you are doing. And just pray that God would pour abundantly his grace to enable you to be all that he's called you to be. 
in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's say the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. I'm going to finish with a final song, which is going to be Break Our Hearts. Yeah, is that right? Um, And I just want us to... um, just use this as a final response where we're inviting God as we go from here to continue to break our hearts for the things that break his, to continue to um, show us who are those people that he's putting in our way, that he's calling us to be his hands and his feet, his light and his hope too. And just if anyone particularly just feels that they would like someone to pray for them, then do come to the front. Perhaps if some prayer team could come and just be here to pray for those who particularly need a fresh empowering of God's Spirit in order to do that. So let's stand.
the moment we're going to say these final words, but just a couple of things. Uh, Terry and, and Hannah and um, family have got new uh, cards, which if you'd like to take one, there's some on the table as you go out the door. Take this and pray for them. And if anyone would like to support them too, do um, have a chat with uh, Terry and Hannah to see if there are details or contact them on here. Um, you know, they're still needing uh, some more support for uh, to enable them to do what they're doing. So if that's a way that you might be able to help them, then do speak to them. And we are going to take a, a, a donation on the way out, a retiring collection, um, which will go to them um, for their work. So if you'd like to do that and bless them in that way, then uh, there's a bowl at the back. Lunch will be served at about quarter to one. Do come down for coffee um, beforehand. So, from here to a world in need, send us out for your glory. To live what we've sung out, send us out for your glory. To homes, jobs, communities, send us out for your glory. To joys, uncertainties and challenges, send us out for your glory. To be your hands and feet this week, send us out for your glory. To be messengers of hope, send us out for your glory. Amen. If you'd like prayer, do come down to the front, otherwise coffee, chats, and then lunch. Jesus.